This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Universe Comics Podcast Season 15, Episode 1. First episode of the new year. I'm your host, Ian. And this is Dev. And unfortunately, Theo is not feeling super well, so he is absent, and we feel very sad about that. And he's at work right now. It's terrible. That is the worst. Being stuck at work. But, so it's the new year. Steph, how was your New Year's? (gasps) Um, it was so good. We celebrated Mid-Atlantic New Year, so we were done by eight. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what that means. It means we celebrated whatever. It was midnight in the middle of the Atlantic, so we could go to bed. <laughs> ah, I see. Except we didn't go to bed. We went over. We, we did fireworks at my friend's house, and then we went to my house and played games and then watched the, the ball drop or whatever no no you know what in dallas they had the they had actually a really cool drone show we watched that on tv a little bit and we danced to the wall of daniel waltz because that's what you do in austria at the new year and we had sparkling cider it was lovely sounds pretty great we're chill we're i'm not a party girl y'all i don't <laughs> i don't go outside <laughs> if i can help it Going outside is for not us people, not not podcasters. (laughs) What about you? What did you do? Oh, I just um, spent a bit of time with my family who lives, who I live with. And then we spent a little bit of Sunday, the New Year's Day with the family I don't live with, playing some games and eating some food. I love that. That's lovely. I'm glad you did that. Yep. I'm glad you knew who you were and where you were on New Year's morning. (laughs) You didn't get hammered (laughs) the night before. No shade if you did that, but it's not good for your liver. This is your mom's movie, by the way. (laughs) I also also, uh, watched a bunch of spy TV shows. What was it? It was the new Netflix show, The Recruit and uh, Notorious. Oh, and Jack Ryan. So I watched like bits of those all over the New Year weekend. Who is your favorite Jack Ryan? I may cut this from the podcast, but... Uh, it's uh, Chris Pine, actually. Really? That's everybody's yeah. least favorite. That's so I know. Funny. Nobody saw that movie, but I saw it in theaters. I thought it was actually really good. <gasps> That's funny. 
I'm glad you like people. It. People are are too hard on that movie. I think it's actually really good. <laughs> I'm a Alec Baldwin girl. <laughs> I mean, he was good in the one movie he, he was, was in. Good in the just, one he movie. was only in one. He was only in one. But anyway. All right. Deadly Force. So, no real news. I'm expecting solicitations to drop next week, but it's possible they could drop this week. Um, DC is always confusing on January stuff. We've already had a bunch of titles pushed at least a week. But since we don't have solicitations, Steph, what would you what do you want to see from DC for the Batman universe this year in 2023? I want that Batcat crossover that we've been hypothesizing about. Yes. Okay. And I want. Seems reasonable. I want Robin to get his book back. I want. People, you know that's not going to happen. I want people to be so angry about all the garbage that's going to be coming up in this podcast. I I I just I want that Robin book back. It was so good. In that fact, Robin just make a Robin's really- book. Make a Robin's book. Like just have like a rotating stories of the different Robins, or have like five or six different mini stories in one, and then just have Robins. I don't care. I just, I don't want, I don't want what we have now. 2023 is starting, or 2022 ended, a lot worse than it started, so. Question, uh, 2022, we we opened in the middle of Josh Williamson's run, because James Tynan had just left. Who was on Detective? We opened with Tamaki, Tamaki in uh, Shadows of the Bat, so that was our New Year's story, and that was really exciting. We were really digging mm-hmm. that. We weren't really digging Batman. We're kind of the other way now. We're really yeah. enjoying Zdarsky and yeah. we're kind of not digging Ram V. What was the state of the Bat family? I mean, not much has changed other than who is the main Robin on the book. I guess we have the Batman Inc. book. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Not much changed there. What, what's something you want this year? I would like... So this is just what I'd like, not what I think will necessarily happen. How many months of solicitations do we already have? Three? We have up to March. March. So this coming uh, either Friday or a week from Friday <laughs> is going to be April's solicitations. I would like, uh, and I know I'm the only one on the podcast who would like this, but I would like Batgirls to last to 24. So I want it to go until, I think that's November. Um, I don't mind that book so much anymore. Since they've backed off. a lot better. It's gotten like, a lot better. Like there's a more serious tone. The stakes are better and the relationships are more mature. Yeah. I don't know if the characterization is still where it should be, but it's not annoying. <laughs> so that's good. It's definitely backed off on a lot of the stuff that was bothering people. And the art has changed. Yes, so I liked the art, but it has changed quite a bit since yeah. the first art. Uh, and interestingly, it was a uh, number, I want to say 13, either 13 or 16 in trades the month it came out. So that's actually really good for that trade. That is good. So that's what I'd like to see. And the reason I say 24 is because Steph... Her Batgirl run lasted for 24 issues, and I want this Batgirl run to last at least as long, because I feel like Steph deserves to have at least two years every time she's Batgirl, because I have no idea what they're going to do with these characters once this run ends. You're funny. Okay. Um, all right. What do you think we'll actually get this year? Oh, well, they're married to this world without superheroes idea, and they're trying all different ways of doing it. I guess... Because that's kind of what we got true. in Batman right now. Yeah. Spoiler for 10 minutes <laughs> from now. I don't know. I'm not excited about the trajectory we're on. Oh. I think that's um, I think that's reasonably fair. Yeah. I'm not not excited. 
I do think that all signs point to a big crossover in June. And I think my guess is it's going to be at least Batman, Detective, and Catwoman. So TBU Uh, crossover, or are you thinking DC crossover? I'm hoping it's just TBU, because they're doing a currently crossover with the entire DCU, with Lazarus Planet. And they just got done with another one, with Dark Crisis. So I'm like, I'm hoping they'll cool down on the, the huge crossover event things. They seem to really be pushing year, the monkey honestly. Prince. They seem to really be pushing the monkey prince. They really, really want it to sell. I don't. To me, I think that not monkey prince is like Batgirls in that they hired an indie team to do a mainstream book, and I think that was a mistake if they wanted more than about twenty thousand buyers. Yeah, if you want it to be mainstream. Right. If you want yeah. it to be mainstream, you got to hire a mainstream team. Yeah. You got to hire a mainstream artist. And that doesn't mean it's bad. It no. just means it's not mainstream. It's like an indie film. Indie films usually make, you know, 20 to 40 million dollars. So you don't spend 100 million dollars on an indie film. <laughs> I think that Monkey Prince, they're trying to spend on it like it's the comics equivalent of a hundred million dollar film they're, they're trying to make it a thing and it's kind of like fetch like you gotta know your market <laughs> this is not the market this is not where it is like i the one thing i think they could be trying to do is catch the manga market but this is chinese mythology with a chinese american author and it doesn't feel like manga now to be fair i'm not as much of a manga reader as anyone like steph would know much more than me but i mean steph do you feel like it has a manga flavor? It doesn't to me. Well, I do- okay, I'll be honest with you. I don't remember what book it was. I think it was probably something I read in Urban Legends, but I did start reading it right to left. And I was like, well, does it make any sense? Oh, right. This is an American comic. <laughs> but I don't remember which one it was. I don't know. No, it doesn't have the feel. No, it doesn't. It, the art is pretty, and I like the style of stuff, at least what I saw in um, the backup, especially of. The Lazarus Sangy Jiggy that we read. But sure. eh, I mean, whatever. I didn't care about the story, so I didn't read it in depth. Yeah. I I think that DC was doing better when James Tynan was actually trying to do manga with his ghost maker backup. Because that was clearly Yeah. Like that was some, hardcore uh, manga and I really liked that. Yeah, that was absolutely manga. Yeah. And it, it's funny, I I was reading James Tynan's newsletter. And he was just doing an analysis of comics and where everything is and what I'm just like, man, why can't he be back working at DC so I could read his stuff? Because I don't want to read all these murder books. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm sure they're good. It's just not my thing. Yeah, and I already I read a ton of books. So, you know. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's what we want. And that's what we think we'll get. So we're going to take stock hopefully next year and hopefully remember what we said this time. Because I don't remember what we said last time. No. Um, I did not prep like this was an episode <laughs> one. <laughs> All right, so let's get to our review. We've got the first Batman Universe issue of the year, Batman number 131. Batman 131, The Batman of Gotham, Part 1, by writer Chip Sidarsky and artist Mike Hawthorne. Batman 131 begins in Crime Alley as a bloodied Batman lies unconscious. Two drug addicts steal his utility belt and run off. 
He awakens, remembering Robin, Tim Drake, watching him as Failsafe blasts him outside the Fortress of Solitude. See the conclusion of the Failsafe arc in Batman 130. As Batman climbs to his feet, a skeleton Jim Gordon greets him. Every thought that Batman has, Jim answers, revealing himself potentially as a figment of Batman's imagination. Batman quickly deduces that he must be suffering from some multiverse poisoning. He finds a change of clothes, and while hunting for clues, Batman notices that his brownstone has been abandoned for years. He also sees that Wayne Tower is something else entirely. Bruce Wayne hears a scream across the street. Cops are swarming an apartment, and a large figure in a black trench coat sedates a woman for arguing with him. The figure walks down the hall to another apartment and kicks in the door. He asks the resident if the resident is sane or insane, then raises his gun. Bruce leaps to action, pulling this figure back into the wall. Quickly, Bruce realizes this cloaked figure is using venom. The two battle and Bruce realizes he's facing off against Judge Harvey Dent. As Bruce works to neutralize Dent and the GCPD officers, Firefly hovers outside a window, unleashing a fury of flames. Bruce saves an elderly woman from Firefly's flames, but before he can escape himself, Judge Dent grabs him. Dent tosses Bruce across the room, gaining the upper hand now. As the two battle, a child whips two tiny daggers at Dent. The child saves Bruce, and as the two escape the apartment building, Bruce returns the favor by saving the child. The child leads Bruce to a car and then drives the two of them off to safety. Bruce, wounded from a gunshot, is left wondering if this world's Batman is dead. Elsewhere in this world's Gotham City, mob boss Selina Kyle claws one of her goons' faces for robbing her and bragging about it. Selina receives a phone call from a man in a red mask who tells her that her new top priority is finding this new Bruce Wayne. She can hardly believe it since Bruce is dead, but she gets to work. When the man in the red mask hangs up the phone, he says loudly that he's been waiting for Bruce to appear. Behind him, many patients are strapped to medical beds, their bodies showing signs of different levels of stress and dismemberment. At a secret hideout, Julia, or Jewel as she goes by, the child who saved Bruce, helps Bruce patch himself up. Bruce realizes that Jewel, like himself, is an orphan. It's then that he understands why Failsafe brought him here. When Batman and Robin reprogrammed Failsafe with compassion, see the last issue, Failsafe's parting gift was to send Bruce to a Gotham without Batman. So that is a fascinating first issue of an arc. So when I first read this, the first thing I thought was the dreadful, in my opinion, uh, Worlds Without a Justice League Batman written by Cy Spurrier. Um, because it's a world with a different Batman and a different it's, it's another alternate Gotham where Bruce is trying to figure out what's going on and Batman isn't who he's supposed to be. Did you get a similar feeling or is that just because I have a bee in my bonnet about that book and I hate it? <laughs> I skipped that one because I read the Superman one. I was a little confused. And then when you I told me the about the Superman one, though, the Superman one one was at least nice. It was like a fantasy world. Where they actually got to see John grow up instead Exactly. Of, That's why I liked it. Um, it was still weird. And then when you told me about the Batman one, I was not not interested. I mean, if you're gonna say that, you're gonna say, I mean, it could be any else world story where whatever Batman is dead, Batman is this, Batman is that, Batman is Thomas, you know, whatever. So it it 
it it definitely has an AU feeling because it obviously is. It's an alternate universe where their Batman died a while ago, or at least Bruce Wayne died a long time ago. But the story combined with the backup did remind me way more of Batman R.I.P., which, again, I know I haven't read, but I am fairly familiar with the story. And I know that that's where Red Robin came from, right? Because Tim was the only one that believed that Bruce was alive, right? Yes. Yes. And that will be very familiar when we get to the backup. So, yeah, because when I read this together with the backup and definitely got heavy R.I.P. vibes. So not so much the the size barrier story, but definitely R.I.P. So similar to my questions about the year. Well, you have to answer your your question. Oh, I thought I did. I said it was similar and that was AU and Batman's not who he's supposed to be. And I will say that I just trust Mm Zdarsky way more than I trust Cy Spurrier. (laughs) Like Spurrier's backups in Detective Comics aren't, they're not terrible. Um, They are very Spurrier and they annoy me because I know his style and it it annoys me because I know (laughs) who he is. But it isn't the same as The World's Without a Justice League, which I legitimately hated that book. And it and it isn't Constantine was just wasn't it really annoyed me. Not that it was bad, it just really annoyed me. So Spurrier is doing a decent job in detective. So the fact that I don't like him doesn't mean that I don't think he's a good writer. I think he's a perfectly fine writer. But Chip Sadarsky has been consistently just really enjoyable and sometimes really like powerful. Mm-hmm. So I he's earned a lot of goodwill for me in Batman. But I'm and I think he's doing this on purpose. Because he did this on Daredevil. He, like, put Daredevil in jail for, like, a year. (laughs) Um, So, Zdarsky does goofy things, and I I appreciate that he's doing that, but I also think he can tell a really good story. So, I'm willing to go where he's going for now, but I am worried. So, that being said, what do you think could go wrong in this arc? I think it could go too long. I... I mean, yes, this is an alternate universe. Is it even real? Does it matter? I don't know. Like, I know Bruce wants to save all the things all the time, but, like, how long is he going to stay here? And how much responsibility is he going to take for this place? So I can see him spending a lot of time here, and I think that would get not boring, but it would get inconsequential because it doesn't affect our canon universe, universe canon. So it's like, unless unless he has some character development. But <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm worried that it gets too long. I worry that we get bogged down in the details of this all you where I don't care about. I mean, we'll probably care. But again, it's going to be inconsequential at the end. It's kind of going to be kind of like Dick's relationship with B. And then suddenly he didn't have amnesia anymore and he dropped her. And like, uh, what was the? Or it's like the gift. Remember your first arc on the podcast? Yes. Did anything that happened in the gift matter? No. No, it did not. No, it didn't. No, it did not. It was a terrible gift. Um. Uh, So yeah, that is. And both of us like Tom King's run. So this isn't Mm -hmm. just like we hate Tom King. That arc was awful. That arc was awful. And so yeah, that is my worry: is that it will get too long, and it's going to expect us to care more about this than is going to matter. I think that this is going to be another six-issue arc, um, just because that's how DC seems to expect their writers to structure their stories, and Zdarsky doesn't seem particularly... I mean, that's the first arc. His first arc was six issues. I don't think he's going to change that rhythm, uh, especially because he's able to play with different story lengths with the backups. I also worry that Zdarsky will run out of thematic steam, because like this kind of thing is always done because the writer wants to do something with the idea of Batman. 
And that can, that usually, in my opinion, falls really flat. Sometimes I think that Tom King did a really good job with Thomas Wayne. I know a lot of Thomas Wayne fans get mad at what Tom King did to Thomas Wayne, but I think he did a really good job. But that's because he had something to say. He wanted to talk about a Batman who didn't have compassion, a Batman who didn't have hope, a Batman who existed mm-hmm. only to avenge, mm-hmm. not to save. Mm-hmm. So hopefully Zdarsky can do something with that. I think he probably will because he did such a good job with Bruce's character in The Night, and he's done such a good job in general with Failsafe. Mm-hmm. And he did. So I saw someone on Twitter Round issue three of the failsafe arc saying, well, everybody knows what's going to happen. Batman's just going to build a logic trap failsafe and he's going to uh, failsafe. is going to oh, what, what's that movie where it's where he builds a logic trap and the robot shuts down like there, You know what I'm talking about. It's very yeah. cliche. The, 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 I mean, I don't know the movie, but like uh, this statement is a lie. Right, right. Um, <laughs> exactly. And the robot shuts down because it can't think through it. That's not what happened. Um, I think Zdarsky found an interesting way out of the solution, the the problem he built. And I'm very curious to see what he has to say about this, because he did say a lot of interesting thematic things through the Batman of Zer and R. Yes. Um, Even though that was kind of a weird character. Well, everything is weird. I mean, Zdarsky is leaning into the weird, but in a a very exciting and accessible way. Like, yeah, an accessible, like modern almost kind of way, instead of it being a weird, zany, purple Batman, which, I mean, full approval here. But, um, (laughs) yeah, making it dark and interesting and not just like dark for for (laughs) grungy, grungy sake. Right. I'm looking at you, Riverdale. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh. What how could this go right? I mean, we sort of touched on this, but like what would be a really cool way for Bruce to get out of this alternate universe? Those are two different questions. Like what is he going to do here? What are we going to spend six issues reading and how's he going to get out? Because he could focus on getting out, but I feel like cuz if the main story is Bruce in this AU, six issues of him looking for a way out seems really boring. So it Seems like this red mask, who I really hope isn't Jason, but I'm thinking it probably is Jason. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Because I feel like he probably isn't Jason because they're advertising so heavily as a new character. Are they? Okay, good. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, for the second printing, there's a cover with Jorge Jimenez doing one of those costume design things. <laughs> oh, sorry. I just had designer flashbacks. Oh, um. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That was uh, not Jorge's best design. <laughs> we love you so much, Jorge, but that was not great. I mean, even this is not, it's something it's else. It's very generic in my, it, it just feels very generic. It's, uh, anyway, um, I'm I'm hoping this isn't Jason, but it's going to be some, it's probably going to be some damaged person from this universe's Bruce's past. But I hope that there will be some conflict while Bruce tries to figure out how to get out of here. I'd rather see that and maybe some flirting, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure we are. Cause there's a very sexy looking Selena. That's one of my questions up. in case you don't touch on that, but yeah, I hope it doesn't focus on the escape. Cause I just feel like that's going to get, that's going to drag textile <laughs> detective comic style. If it, that's all he does. So I want I want things to happen, but again, like how how is he going to balance things happening with keeping in mind that 
they're really not going to matter unless they improve Bruce somehow. But anyway, that is that's a really good point. The only way this alternate universe will really matter is if Bruce grows as a character. If something changes about Bruce because of it. And that would be cool. I feel like it will, because a lot of things that have happened so far, Failsafe, Zurinar, those are, Tim getting shot, like, they're all things that are making Bruce face who he was and who he's becoming and who he wants to become. And so I really hope this continues that that, uh, thought process, (laughs) story, whatever. Yeah, I think it will. I think that it's clearly set up to do so. Last question for this section. New artist, Mike Hawthorne, um, he did that odd Wonder Woman miniseries with Stephanie Phillips, Wonder Woman Evolution. I wasn't a huge fan of that, but he clearly, he came over from Marvel to do that, actually. He was working with Zdarsky on Daredevil. And so he came over to DC to do Wonder Woman, and then Zdarsky got him to do Batman. Uh, What do you think? It's good. It's, I mean, it's AU, so it's good to have a new artist, I guess. It's it's fine. I, I feel like some of the times it's not very consistent. I don't know. It's not my favorite type of art, but I can't really tell you why. It's like sometimes there's not lines, and it seems a little dull pencils. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. It's not like thick pencils. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. It's weird. But it does have heavier lines than Jorge. Jorge's yeah. lines tend to be very fine, and this is much more just firmer, bolder type lines. But it's still detailed. Like we've seen a lot oh, of yeah. thick lines where it was like it was this drawn by a ten year old. <laughs> what is this? But this is still really good. It's just thicker than what I'm used to, I guess. Yeah, I think that's fair. It relies a lot on the colors for sure. Yeah, who did colors on this? Was it Tomu Mori? Okay, yeah, it's Tomomori. Tomomori is their standard Batman colorist for the last, like, six years. So, well, no, since since uh, Tynan came on, he's been the standard colorist. And he did a bunch of Tom King's run, but he wasn't the only colorist for Tom King's run. So, yeah, I, I think Tomomori is a great colorist. Um, I actually... He's most known for coming up with Tony Daniel, but I actually really don't like his colors on Tony Daniel's art. I actually prefer his colors on everyone else's art. <laughs> I will be like, just full disclosure, my my like of an artist depends on how cute I think Bruce is, and Bruce isn't very cute. So, you know, that's why I can't get excited about this artist. But <laughs> I, he's fine. He I don't wholly disagree. <laughs> Um, he he tried art with Catwoman. Why can't he try art with Bruce? But <laughs> whatever. Well, the Bruce model is very rigid. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like what DC expects Bruce to look like, all artists have to make Bruce look like that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that works with their style and sometimes it doesn't, you know? Mm-hmm. Gotta have that very strong jaw. <laughs> what do you think of Selena's design? <laughs> Should mob bosses be wearing whatever that is? I'm a little disappointed that they're not calling back to my favorite Catwoman. And I know everyone who's hung around the podcast long enough knows and is sick of this. But I think Genevieve Valentine's Catwoman is the best Catwoman run that has been uh, come out in about 10 years. I really, really like it. And it's very mob boss Catwoman. She basically wore tuxes the whole time. Like, it's weird that they literally had... The template. The template for Mob Boss Selena. And they're like, nah, tank tops. (laughs) Or whatever this is. (laughs) But to be fair, Selena's had weird designs since Joelle Jones took over her title. 
Joelle Jones took out the armpits, and this guy was like, I'm going to take out everything else. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you need um, a cleavage and a peekaboo? Sorry, sorry. I'm fine. I'm fine. Because sexy. <laughs> Except I don't think the armpits are sexy. I just don't <laughs> like them. Her arms are scary. I think that was the reason for the tank top top thing is you see her arms and her abs and this is a scary lady. <laughs> oh, she is supposed to be scary. Yeah. I think Hawthorne is good. I I definitely miss a Jorge. Like oh, yeah. I'm always gonna miss Jorge. But he he's good. This is definitely not a downgrade the same way um Howard Porter was a downgrade during <laughs> Williamson's run. That was awful. That was awful. This is good art. I'm not I'm yeah. not complaining. But it doesn't it's not a stand, and that's that's really unfair. I I am happy he's on the book. I'm not excited, so the art doesn't excite me the same way that Jorge or Dan Mora, or I mean, to go a little further back, like Dustin Nguyen or Lee Weeks. Like those are people. I'm just like I would probably buy the book for the art. I wouldn't mm-hmm. buy this book for the art. No, I would buy the book for the writing though. Uh, so they're yeah. working well together. Yep, yep. All right, let's move on to our backup. The Toy Box Part 1, written by Chip Zdarsky, artist Miguel Mendonca? Men- I would say Mendonca, but I'm sure that's wrong. Mendonca. Mendonca. I really, I really miss Mendonca? Jessica. She used to give us pronunciation guides, because <laughs> I think she was from Brazil. Let's say Mendonca, just to be safe. Yeah, that's probably more right. <laughs> As the backup in Batman 131 begins in a retro-style home kitchen with a mannequin wife and child, a strange man notes that Superman and Arkham are gone, which frees him from his shackles. He plays with action figures of Superman and Batman on his kitchen table, plushing his domination. In the Batacombs beneath Gotham City, Robin Tim Drake goes over the fight with Failsafe, trying to figure out what happened to Batman. Jonathan Kent is there for moral support, though he feels unhelpful as Tim pieces together the Failsafe that Failsafe destroyed the weapon it fired to prevent Batman from returning to this world. Robin puts on his helmet and hops on his motorcycle. He will stop some crimes while he processes how to save Batman. Elsewhere, Catup and his henchmen hold a rich couple for ransom. Nightwing leaps into action, taunting Jeff, Catup's real name, for pretending to be the Joker while the real deal is out of town. Robin drops in, assisting with the hostage situation. Nightwing and Robin talk about Batman's disappearance. Word has spread, and guys like Catup think it's their moment to step up and take control of Gotham. Robin pushes for help in finding Batman, but Nightwing pushes back. Dick Grayson has seen this before, and Batman will be back. He believes the Bat family should keep Gotham together until Batman resurfaces. Robin disagrees and abruptly leaves. It's then that Robin is contacted by Jonathan Kent. It appears that Toy Man has committed suicide, and there's a mystery afoot. So, this takes place still before the death of the Justice League, right? Dude, I don't... I don't know when they're trying to get that story in. Because I thought the death of the Justice League was supposed to be in the future sometime. Well, it was in the future, but now, like, Dark Crisis has brought us to after that. So I feel like Batman, because Superman in both Action Comics and Superman is jumping forward past Dark Crisis. But it feels like Batman is not yet. So I'm I'm hoping they figure out a way to do that soon. It'll be really rough if it goes all the way to June, if this is a six-issue arc, and it goes all the way to June and we're still sort of stuck in the past. Uh, because all the Bat books will have to be stuck in the past, too. 
Except for Nightwing. Nightwing is going to be after Dark Crisis 2 because that's the whole Titans thing. It's it's weird. It seems like it's a mess is what it seems like. Yeah. I think that's partly sort of what happens when you have the Bat universe and then the main universe being led by different editorials. And yeah. sometimes they work together well and sometimes they don't. Yeah. So that's kind of that doesn't really affect the story. I'm just curious. As we mentioned, this is very R.I.P. feeling where Tim Drake is like, Batman's not dead. <laughs> and he's going to hunt for him. Do you think that Tim is going to be the one to bring Batman back? Or do you think Batman will find his way back like Dick says? So did he help with R.I.P.? Yeah, he was uh, very e to Bruce finally being able to make it back to the present. Um, Bruce made his way to like the early 1900s. But then like there's this whole demonic thing and they all had to work together. For the sake and the growth of the Bat family, I would like Tim to help because I think that's the kind of smart that Tim is. Wink, wink to the Robin Tom Drake book. Um, <laughs> um, I think that's what Tim does best. He doesn't give up. I mean, from what little I know about Tim is he doesn't give up and he figures things out that other people can't. And this is definitely one of those things that like, Dick isn't necessarily thinking, I can't do this, but he's like, nah, Bruce has not got this. <laughs> so I would love to see Tim help and be instrumental in bringing him back. Like so, I would like that, too. And because Zdarsky's the one writing this backups, I think there's a good chance that he will. We had some conversation offline about the whole Toy Man thing, because both of us were like, is this referencing something that happened in Son of Kal-El, or is this some other Superman story? And I did a little poking around on the DC wiki, and it looks like this is actually a brand new story. Like, Toy Man committing suicide is actually part of Zadarsky's story. He's not referencing something else. Oh. So I'm looking forward to seeing where this is going, but it definitely is very much throwing you in the middle of a bunch of stuff. And you're mm -hmm. supposed to try and pick things up and sort of be a little confused until you get all the information. Which is, I'm fine with, but if I'm not supposed to be, I want to know. So yes. I'm fine with being dropped in the middle of a story. That's I don't need to know their entire criminal apprehension log. Yeah, whatever. All right. Last question. Last time we saw Gotham in this run, it was being overrun by super robots. Do you feel that this story, because this is the story that's going to deal with the bat, the aftermath of that, because Batman's in a different God. Do you feel this story is adequate to deal with the aftermath of super robots controlling Gotham or not? I think that might've been dropped. I think when Failsafe took off the, the robots took off because their mission was done, but yeah, there should be some kind of fallout, some kind of trauma, at least from having your city run by robots after it was run over by the magistrate. No, did that ever happen? The magistrate never actually took over, right? That sort was sort of. I mean, Fear State sort of had the magistrate taking over, but it wasn't really a but, full takeover the same way that like Joker War or City of Bane was. But like, the magistrate taking over was an alternate future that never happened. Right. Right. Okay. The full takeover that we saw in Future State did not. Right. It wasn't fulfilled. It was averted, as they say. Yes. I still love that run, but anyway. You love. Tynan's run, or you love? I love Tech. <laughs> I loved Dark Detective. Oh, Dark Detective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Tamaki and Dan Mora. I know. <laughs> All right. So let us give this 
issue our ratings out of five Skelly Gordons. <laughs> oh gosh, he was so weird. <laughs> That's a very Zdarsky thing. It's very goofy. Skeleton with the red mustache. And so he's actually young Gordon. <laughs> yep. Smoking away so with no lungs. <laughs> um, I'll say three. Just because I'm nervous about where this could go. I trust Chip. I loved the night. I'm still nervous. Yeah, I so think that's fair. I'm going to say three. I gave it a 3.5. And on the website, Scott gave it a four. So that gives us an average of 3.5 and a median of 3.5. <laughs> no mode, sadly. But we do have an additional number. So that makes me happy. <laughs> Whether you are a first-time TBU Comics podcast listener, a 13-year veteran, or anything in between, we'd love to hear what you think about this episode or any of the comics we discussed. Send emails to tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net. Join our Discord server linked at thebatmanuniverse.net. Send us a tweet at tbu underscore comics. Or, if you're a patron, leave us a comment on our Patreon page. We'd also love it if you left us a review on iTunes. We'd love to read your comments on the next episode of the Batman Universe Comics Podcast. Batman may claim he works alone, but we know that he needs the Bat Family. Join the TVU Bat Family and let us know what you think. That brings us to the end of our reviews. So let's move on to Greater Gotham. First up, we've got Dark Knights of Steel, number nine. Oh, man. Thumbs up. And I'm going to retcon, ret- retroactively retract my whatever I gave the last one. It was either neutral or thumbs down. Because Queen L's horrible decision to start a war was explained. And it's okay. I mean, it's not okay. There's a lot of people dead. But she didn't actually do that. It was a white Martian. And so, and Alfred is a green Martian. Oh my goodness, it's so crazy. Thumbs up. I loved it. And Bruce came in on a dragon. So it gets an automatic five out of five. Uh, Abstain. (laughs) I'm still not reading that book. (laughs) You're Uh, missing out. I just really didn't like the first half of the book, so. <laughs> Poison Ivy number eight. The thumbs down. Oh, it's the. It is preachy. It is not subtle. It is just. It's. It's. It's a message that's fine. It's actually a message I'm totally on board with. I hate this book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not reading it because I still don't like Poison Ivy. She's starting to make better choices. But do you know how, like, people were mean to Harley so that just, and like they were nasty and so it justified her killing them in the Harley movies? Yes. And I hated that. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit like that, but there's, she's finding humans that she wants to save. So there's that. (laughs) But it's still that. Let's get to the uh, elephant in the womb, shall we say. (laughs) That was amazing. <laughs> the Joker, the man who stopped laughing, number four. Now, this is actually an abstain from us and Theo, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, we have done our research and we have a prepared statement to read. <clears throat> we at GBU Comic Podcast don't enjoy the jo- Joker comic book and do not read it on the regular. 
Joker is not pregnant, and anyone who says he is, I'm looking at you, Fox News, is making clickbait. Even if he was pregnant, it's in the backup, which is very zany and old-school gag-heavy, and it is not to be taken too seriously. Spoiler facts. Zatanna put a baby clayface in Joker's stomach, and Joker puked him up as a mini-me made of clayface. And it is not a real baby. The end. This this book is so stupid, and I don't I don't understand what DC's thinking. I didn't ever make it past the first one because it was so gross. And it's like if this I, is the hook, if this is the hook to get people to in, I am I'm done. I'm good. Thank you. This is a genuine Joker book. It has really great art, and I'm very pissed that they're spending <laughs> Carmine Di Giandomenico. Carmine Di Giandomenico and. Uh, Franco Francovella on just bizarre nonsense. Now, to be honest, if the whole book series was more like the backup, I'd probably have no problem reading it. So I want more pregnant Joker. <laughs> but I the- just don't like the Joker. No. This is a true Joker yeah. book, so I'm out. I was reading the last one because it was technically a Jim Gordon book. <laughs> Gotham City, year one, number four. Thumbs up. Like, I they really were pushing the Sam Bradley has an affair with the wifey thing, but that really wasn't the main point of this story. And then Sam made some very dark choices, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. It's not what I would do, but I've never had the crap beaten out of me by everybody I saw, so I can't say for sure I wouldn't do that either. But anyway, I liked it. Thumbs up. I'm giving this a neutral. Phil Hester's art continues to be amazing. I, the writing just feels so cliche to me because I've seen a lot of the movies that Tom King is drawing his inspiration from, and it doesn't feel he's adding a whole lot that's new. It's not cliche, Um, though, if only a few movies that he's seen have done it. It's just, I know everything that's going to happen in this book (laughs) before I read it. I don't I don't like that. That's a that's a thing I particularly tend not to enjoy. It's not like a romance book where I know the hero and the heroine are going to get together. And that's not what I'm talking about. As I know how things are going to happen. I know that Slam's going to have an affair. I know he's going to beat up a bunch of cops once he gets tired of things. I know that he's going to dominate the room because he's the hard ass man. I know he's going to feel guilt about it. Did you know boy. that the just, baby was dead? Yes, I did, because Tom King said it was based on the Lindbergh kidnapping. And if you know anything about the Lindbergh kidnapping, you know that baby died. So I knew that. I knew the only thing that's given me slight pauses is this fake Catwoman lady that's showing up. But he hasn't done enough with her, so it doesn't feel fresh still. Uh, It's not a thumbs down because there is a lot of great art and it's competent. It's not bad. (laughs) I just am not enjoying it. So it's a neutral. Sword of Azrael, number six, the Up, finale. Epstein. I loved this book. I am sad that it's over. It was amazing. Thumbs all the way up. The art was fantastic. It's got all these biblical angel things and great new angels. And the writing, it it takes Azrael's struggles with faith and religion and God and spirituality and morality seriously. It doesn't make fun of them, but it does question them really hard it shows the dark sides of these things without being disrespectful and it shows 
just the Azrael that's torn between wanting to be a good and gentle and kind man, Jean-Paul Valley, and the insanely violent and dangerous Azrael. And it pushes his character to really interesting places. And I just loved it. I really hope that Dan Waters is able to do some more with Azrael sometime in the next couple of years, because this was amazing. I might sit down and read the whole thing now that it's all. Definitely would read well as a trait. It is very, very violent, and that's very typical. Azrael is a violent yeah. character. He's brainwashed to be a terrorist, yeah. a terrorist enforcer for a brutal cult, Illuminati-type guy. Um, but the conflict with him within him about that is what I love, and there's so much good conflict here. Plus the art. just I find the art just gorgeous. Batman Urgent Legends number 23, our nightmare is over. You know what? I'm going to give this last one a neutral because that Batman Robin story was adorable. And the art was beautiful. And it was just Dick being Dick. And it was lovely. I loved that story. And then the, the Barbara Dick one was whatever. And what else is in that book? Oh, the, Time travel oh, the one. stupid kitten man. What was it, kitten boy? <laughs> they spent a whole issue giving the backstory of his character, and then he just died. <laughs> that was so stupid. What else was there? Uh, time travel one. Yeah, and then the time travel one, which oh, that ended up being Court of Owls. And I was like, are you serious? So that ended up being a little disappointing. But it was nice that Bruce got a little time with his parents, so whatever. <laughs> So I would say because Bruce got time with his parents and that Dick story was so cute, I'm going to give this a neutral. But it's, yeah, I'm glad this book is over. I'm also going to give it a neutral. Uh, none of the stories was aggressively bad. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, I think that Arkham Academy was not good no. for sure. But the other ones weren't bad. Um, they were just kind of meh and they're very forgettable. This book did not need to exist. These stories will be forgotten. In a month, no one will care. I need to, and that's I do need to get that dick story though. It was so cute. <laughs> I, I love I it. I just, I am just disappointed. This could have been really exciting. It could have been like Batman Chronicles, it had just powerful stories that really dug into characters, but instead, you just get a bunch of forgettable nonsense. Yeah. And you turn Tim Drake bisexual and. <laughs> launch the tim drake robin series so finally we will not have to cover urban legends again <laughs> let's move on to something we'll probably have to cover a bit more lazarus planet alpha number one thumbs down i mean uh, i don't i don't know what i read Suddenly the big bad is the guy they need as an ally to defeat the big bad that defeated the big bad in the last... What? And suddenly he has all these minions, and then... And then Bruce is evil? Demon? Possessed? I don't... What? And then the monkey boy is like, hey, back in the day, the baddie was hot, and he had um, a special stash, and he was good, maybe? What? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> so confused by this book. Yeah, thumbs down for me, too. I like the art, but the writing is... I don't find any of the characters to be particularly in character. They're very... They exist to move the plot along and mm -hmm. spout exposition. They don't really have character. 
and I just don't like it. I don't like the setup. This is clearly this is basically just Batman versus Robin extra issues, and I don't like that series, and I don't like this. Well, except that Robin isn't anti-Batman anymore, so hopefully, I don't know, but still, yeah, no. He was he was very generic, Damien. I mean, he was very take charge. Yeah, they were all generic. Yeah, exactly. There's there's no real strong sense of voice. There's mm-hmm. no there, there's no texture to the characters. Yeah. Like that's something I really like. Like whether you like it or not, Batgirls has a ton of texture. You may dislike that texture, but it's taking time yeah. to invest personality and quirks into yeah. all the characters. Yep. Yep. This does none of that. It's just like plot, plot, plot. It's a really generic magic plot where you got to put magic item A into magic item B. And it's just, okay, come on. But now there's Buddha and a monkey boy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving mm. from strength to strength, I am Batman number 17. Gosh. Okay, I'll tell you something. Only one more issue after this. I'll tell you something. I actually really liked this. And that would be 100% true if this wasn't the Fox family. But they have decimated the Fox family with this storyline. Like, it was already bad. Not, I mean, it was a finishing blow, I guess. They didn't need to do it this way. They didn't need to destroy Lucius's character to tell this story. I don't know. It's just weird. a A lot of parents are having extramarital affairs in the current runs of these stories mr grayson oh, had an affair too he, oh that's well okay to be fair and i can't believe i'm defending tom taylor <laughs> but to be fair he wasn't with dick's mother they weren't married when he had dick's was that sister. it okay okay good that's right i think i think yeah but still but still but still they're like adding all these extra they're adding children all these extra children and anyway yeah. i so I loved that Tiff and Jace were working together. I love that Tiff is making these choices to like be I'd say stronger. Tiff has probably been one of the stronger characters yes, in the run. I I really liked her and like working with Chubb and Chubb is okay with like she's reluctant but she's okay working with them. Um, the, it escalated quickly at the end. There was more bodies than they thought. I mean, it was very exciting. But the fact that the the cost at which it's coming is too high, and I can't say that's a good thing. So I will give it a neutral, even though I liked it because of the cost of the story. This is absolutely a thumbs down for me. Uh, not only do I think that this is extremely selfish and destructive writing on characters that have lasted a long time, this this puts the Fox family in such a horrible place. Yeah. Now. I am sure the next person who uses this story is probably uh, the Fox family is just going to ignore what Ridley's done because <laughs> I would. But if you were thinking about other writers and the fact that these aren't your toys, these aren't your characters, that other people love the Fox family and don't think they should be this. I mean, this is basically trying to be um, what's that really popular show right now? <laughs> uh, Dynasty or it's like. I was on Twitter. One of my people was like, "And now on HBO, rich people do terrible things like that." <laughs> that's basically the Fox Family. I'm just like, okay, I understand the appeal of that, but that's not the Fox Family, yeah. and it's not particularly well done. The dialogue is very clunky. The characters tend to interact in very. It, it just feels very clunky and not particularly nuanced or carefully written. I feel like when you're writing, Lucius. 
So weird. You should ask yourself. No, you should ask. Would Morgan Freeman say this? (laughs) What would Morgan Freeman do? (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's exactly what I was going to (laughs) say. Can you see Morgan Freeman doing this? No, no, you can't. No, you can't. Oh, what was it? I watched What Lies Beneath, I think. And the fact that, like, Harrison Ford was the baddie, like, you just never saw it coming because Harrison that is so Ford weird. Is never the baddie. Like, he's yep. always the good guy. What? I think it was that movie. Maybe not. I don't remember. It was a very long time ago. So, thumbs Thumb. all the way down, yeah. except for the art. I really like Christian Dooch. I, I wish he would go back on The Flash because he was my favorite artist on The Flash. I will say yes. No, the, the splash page of a black Batman with a small pseudo black Robin. Or not, she's not pseudo black. She's pseudo Robin. <laughs> Was so cool. Like it looked awesome, but it's yeah, in this, is a really good artist. But the this, way they got the characters there is just dumb. Oh, it yeah, it was just. Oh. Bah. Bah. All right, and hopefully ending on a slightly more positive note. Batman Incorporated <gasps> number four. I don't know. I mean, not story wide positive. <laughs> Everything... This is the one where we get the backstory of Phantom One, right? No. This was is that, the, last issue? that was the last issue. This is the culmination of this is this is the sting plan. Everyone's in trouble. All all the teams who are going to rescue the um what are they called? All the teams rescuing the the tutors, the right. the, the, the teachers. The teachers. Um all the teachers are either dead or run away or captured, and then all of the Batman Incorporated people are captured. And um Ghostmaker is facing down Clown Hunter and Phantom One and the other person, the Irish person. No, that is Phantom One. No, Phantom One's his protege, who he let die, but didn't die. Anyway, thumbs up, but things are not going so well. Everyone's in trouble. Oh. Thumbs up. This title continues to be really gripping, and I am glad it's here. Yeah, I got to the end. I was like, I don't know how are they getting Everyone's in trouble. But, like, they're not one-dimensional baddies. Like, they have a very good backstory, very good reason for attacking, and they're having very interesting discussions while they're fighting. Like, even the one guy who's like, dude, I explained myself, I gave you you options, I gave you choices, don't say I didn't warn you. Like, this is very interesting. Yes, it's it's very gripping, very, it's good stuff. It's very different from what Grant Morrison did with the title. But I think it's very worthwhile. It's very, it's its own thing, but also building on what Morrison set up. All right. That brings us to the end of Greater Gotham. And I would like to thank our patrons. If you give on Patreon a certain level, we read your name in thanks on all the podcasts. And so let's begin with Lisa Slack, Donovan Morgan Grant, Austin Davis, Johnny McCloskey, Cesar Diaz, Jessica Morales, David Richards, Robert Lewis, Mary Garrett. Captain America, Ed Grouse, Donald Townsend, Stanton's Grave, Ebony Mounts, Tim Garassi, Rob O, Ian Miller, Gerald Green, and Joshua Lappin Bertoni. Thank you all for supporting us. Thank you for helping us keep our archive on the air. And thank you for helping us start a new year with a brand new season of the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hopefully, we'll be here in a couple weeks covering Detective Comics with Theo. Hopefully, everything will go well. Hopefully. And until then, I've been Ian. This is Dev. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.